Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we have a new friend to the show. I cannot wait for you to hear from my friend, Jessica Kirsten. I've known her since I started comedy. She's a good and she's a dear friend of mine and just one of the best comedians in the game. I cannot believe it's taken me this long to have her here to introduce her to you. Jessica Kirsten, who recently produced FX's hysterical feature-length documentary that explores the changing landscape of women in stand-up comedy. And as you know, we've been talking about that extensively on the show, so make sure you check that out. It's available on Hulu, FX on Hulu. Her one-hour comedy special, Talking to Myself, debuted on Comedy Central and was executive produced by Bill Burr. She's appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. She's also been seen on The View, Kevin Can Wait, HBO's Crashing, and she acted as consultant, producer, and writer on the Robert De Niro film, The Comedian. Glad to have you here, Jessica. Welcome back. Holly Harper. Holly, fresh off of the Black Women's Comedy Festival. Yes, here in New York. She's the co-host of the nationally trending Twitter storytelling chat, blurred dating, and the creator of the popular sketch comedy show, American Candy. And most recently, currently, she's the creator and the co-exec producer of Hella Late with Holly Harper on Brick TV. Aaron Jackson is back. Aaron has appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers, Conan, The Ella DeGeneres Show, This Week at the Comedy Cellar, Truth TV's Laugh Mob Laugh Tracks. Her comedy album, Grudgery, debuted at number one on the iTunes comedy chart. And most recently, check out Aaron on Netflix as part of season two of Tiffany Haddish Presents they ready yes they're all here it's a great episode and i want to thank all of our listeners and friends like us because of you we make some pretty impressive lists you can hear us on google Podcasts now stitcher spotify iHeartRadio, and apple Podcasts. review and rate us on apple Podcasts. you can email us at friends like us podcast at gmail our instagram is friends like us podcast and twitter is friends like us 10 become more than a friend leave us a tip or a donation by going to our patreon page patreon backslash friends like us merch is available with the new logo we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks and tank tops all available at my website marinafranklin.com and weekly on my youtube channel i go live with my assistant to give updates to the show shout out fans who leave reviews and we have guests friends from the podcast like yamanika saunders pat brown vanessa fraction joyelle johnson zaynab johnson super girl and oh yeah, we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Most important, tell a friend you know to check us out. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still if you want to. Get vaccinated, but no judgment if you don't, but kind of. And Black Lives Matter. And welcome to Friends Like Us, Marina Franklin here. I am here today with Aaron Jackson returning. Holly Harper is returning. And we have a new guest, a new friend. She's an old friend of mine, new friend to the show, Jessica Curson, everyone. <sighs> pew, pew, pew. Things are falling. <laughs> so, um, Jessica, 
welcome. I I cannot even believe, first of all, that I've never had you but on yeah, the show. I, I mean, that. I can't either. I, I've even told you in the beginning when I, you know, it's women of color. So, I, you know, I uh, the audience always wants, you know, like women of color. And then I always yeah. feel like they want black women. And then in the beginning, I was like, I think Jewish women are women of color. And then they got mad at me about that. And I was like, OK, so then once a month, we'll have a white. <laughs> <laughs> and a man. <laughs> and a man. Yeah. And a yeah. man like once a month. Yeah. So but I always feel like Jewish women are my sisters in the struggle. Mm hmm. I understand that, but I understand what they're saying too. But I, I can't believe I've never been on. But you've asked me a bunch of times and it just didn't work out. But I'm so glad that this time it did. Yeah. And also after the success of Hysterical, thank yeah. you so much for putting me in it. Oh, Marina. <laughs> are you kidding? I mean, listen, I I put, you know, I submitted a ton of people and it worked out, you know, it worked out that you were in it. And, and, uh, I'm so proud of how it came out. You know, I, it was so hard because I, I gave them so many names of so many people and, uh, it was, it's it was so hard to narrow it down to a specific amount of people. And plus, I mean, honestly, even after seeing it as probably you thought it, it, it was hard because there were so many women in it to even showcase that many women in it because I felt like some people even got watered down in it, you know, after you watch the movie. Um, but you know, like Wendy Liebman was in it, but like she was not even in it a lot. She was in like, I don't know what, two scenes. And she's such an incredible comic. Oh, I know. I was trying to have her on today. Um, but I, you know, she's, she's still a busy woman. I love Wendy Liebman. I feel like she's, she's incredible. She's so underrated. I feel I was talking to Aaron about that at the cellar. You know how I feel about her. So I think she's one of the best comics of all time. I mean, I, her writing, I mean, I was on a zoom show with her and I'm sitting in my car waiting to go on watching her and I couldn't breathe. I mean, her writing is unbelievable. It is. It's really tight. Like yeah. her jokes are just solid. Oh, you have to be tight to write in that style. And she's just amazing and an amazing person to boot. Yes. But I think it's incredible what you've done. I think it's a, it is timely. The show hysterical is timely. It also gives women a voice during a time when people want us. Like, I feel like an encouragement now, like even in the show, I did a show at the cellar the other day and the way the women, they're rooting for us now. I know. Yeah. I've yeah. been feeling that too. I really have. And I think you know this, but I'm working on a new documentary that I'm going to pitch soon about female comics around the world. I don't even know if you know that. I think I heard wow. some, I figured you would continue. Yeah. Yeah. I've been interviewing female comedians around the world on zoom for the past six months and it's fascinating it's like the the only female comic in jordan it, it, it's crazy you wow. know it's like the stories are so similar but of course some are so different because in some countries they literally can't talk about hardly anything yeah i mean hardly anything like they can't talk about obviously sex or um politics or religion or the government or the military, or it's like they literally can only talk about being a woman or a mother or, I mean, that's it. It's like the stuff that, that men complain that they can't talk about here, but they can. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it was like, what can you not talk about that you were always talking about? Like, right. are you like, 
yeah, it's really interesting. Well, I was actually going to ask you that. It's so great that you are doing that because I I noticed even in this review, it says like in one point, it, and I don't know if you read any of the reviews. Do you read reviews, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, mo uh, for this one, most of them were positive. Yeah, so I think we only got like two semi-negative reviews and they weren't about us. They were about the way the movie was made. Yeah. So that wasn't even under my control, you know. I mean, I, I definitely had a huge hand in it. Thank God they were so giving that way, Andrea, you know, the director let me, she would keep sending, they would send me the movie and I'd say, oh my God, take this out, please change this because they let a comic have a say, which is so rare that, uh, you know, they, oh, they yeah. see it and say something. Um, but no, they, they were, people were pretty positive about it, which is awesome. Well, this is a positive review, but they, they point to, you know, black women not being seen, but the movie de leaves the discussion about decline of black women in the industry to the very end, asking the question of why, but never proper properly exploring it. So that's not us, right? Um, maybe it necessitates its own do documentary, but when, Mm -hmm. The predominant voices in the documentary are white women. It's hard not to urge a discussion of white feminism, which is a valid point. It's not really a criticism. It's just like, maybe they should be a documentary. I mean, sh there should definitely be a documentary about black female comics. Don't you think? That's a whole other subject. That, that's like, that's, you can't, how can you go over that in a documentary about female comedians? Yeah. That is a whole nother issue. I mean, I've talked about that in so many interviews where they would say to me, you know, how hard is it for female comics on the road? I'm like, it's one thing for female comics on the road. It's another thing for black female comics on the road. Yeah. I can talk from my experience. It's hard for me. It's a lot harder for some of my friends. And it's like, that's, a, I think that should definitely be something that's explored and produced. That's and gotta be a hard thing though. When someone like in an interview is like, why weren't there more black women? Like, how do you even, I, I, <laughs> I brought that up a lot. Oh yeah. No, that's not my choice. Like it's not right. everything. And I'm being, I'm being very open and, and honest. No, that's why I want you to say it. Cause I think a lot of people don't know about the process. Mm-hmm. I can only say so much. I'm one of um, six, what, what is it? Six executive producers. The director has final say in a, in a movie, um, in this kind of a thing. So everything is the final say in all of this, in the final cut, in the final decision on who's in it, everything is the director. So I can say who I think, who I want, who everything, but it's, it's the director's final say. And I, um, of course, had my opinions and had my th thoughts, and that's how much I can say. And there were there were some other black women that was in it that left, right? Well, there were there were other black women who were asked who who weren't interested. That's for sure. That was definitely that was there were other women who were asked to do it. There were women who were asked to do it who who I wouldn't have asked, you know what I'm saying? So that that's not like I didn't have that final say. I think that's so important to share that because so many people and right. I mean, Aaron and Holly, wouldn't you agree? Like 
we'll jump on people so hard for things without knowing the full story or how things go. Yeah. Because everyone, you know, people are like, I'm writing wrongs, but not knowing the story. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why don't you ask questions first before you just, you know, you know. Not to interrupt you. I'm very aware that probably someone would see me at the comedy cellar and be like, screw Jessica. She probably, I'm like, listen, I don't even have time to get into that. I can barely get out of bed. Um, I deal with, you know, depression, whatever. I'm like trying to f- function. I have four daughters. I'm deal with my own shit. I know the truth. You know, I live my life like that. And I know what I put out there and what I try to do. And, uh, and I know who I try to help and, and who I care about and, you know, what I believe in my heart. And I, and Marina knows me, she knows my soul and that I try to do the right thing. Um, she knows if it was my say, how it would look and what it would be. I think, you know, that Marina me so long. So, um, I actually am saying this and not to be corny, but I feel emotional even saying this. So if it was done the way I wanted it done, it would look a certain way and be a certain way, but it's Hollywood. It's not my, I don't, it's not like I put tons of money into this and it's my choice, my way, you know? So I did what I could do. And, um, I think it, I think that things should have looked differently even because it would have helped in certain, of course, like, it's like, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not my decision. And when you, when you, what made you decide to do this story? Like, and was it immediately like on FX? Like, you know, can you take us through that first beat of that? Sure. I mean, I was just doing stand up at Stand Up New York, and an advertising agency was there, and they were like, "We'd love to talk to you about a product, a project." And then I met with them a bunch of times, and they were like, "We'd love to do some kind of film and add products and brands." And then it never ended up happening. And my manager, Jim Serpico, had a first look deal with FX, so he's like, "Let's bring it to them and hook up with a documentary company." And then they got involved. So then there's more people, cooks in the kitchen, blah, 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 opinions, da, da, da. And, um, and we brought it there and they loved the idea. And they, um, they said, we love it. We'll do it, which is so rare. And they immediately wanted to do it. And, uh, and that was it. That is so rare. Yeah. So rare. Well, I've seen it three times. You have? I have. I've watched it three times and I watched it with my kids my uh, 14 year old daughter and my nine year old son. And what was really interesting for my son is that, you know, he's nine years old. The nine year old's references don't go back very far. You know what I mean? So he was just like, what do you mean? Female comics haven't always gotten on. I was like, yeah, honey, you just know mama and a couple of her friends. Like you don't really, you know, so I love the part when you were talking about, was it your mom was a a psych- psychiatrist my mom's a therapist yeah yeah my mom's a psychiatric nurse you know what oh. i mean and so she would say things like oh i have to meet with so-and-so just like you like i have to meet you know to be like like i can't sleep at night you know what i mean like but they're like this person needs our help so i just i really connected to that and i just thought it was hilarious i love it i'm suffering and my mom's like the world needs help i need to help the world and i'm like well, i need help too but Everyone else. Do you know any good therapist, mom? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's she sent me to other people to help me. 
Well, I also just like the fact that the you know just for our listeners to know and for you guys, you Aaron and Holly to know, like the way Jessica approached me was I was at the Comedy Cellar, the Village Underground, and she's like, Marina, you know, we've been friends, and I'm gonna, I have something, and you know, I want to bring you along, and that doesn't always happen. So I really appreciate it, Jessica. You know, you you'll know people, and you'll see them doing stuff, and you'll be like, help. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, in no way would did I see it and think like, oh, like, why am I not in this? It's not a, that's not a thing. Like I already. I think there's so many outlets for people to be seen. And it's dope whenever somebody gets put on. I mean, the same thing with Tiffany. I was like just sitting around and she was like, hey, out of nowhere, like, hey, I'm, I have this opportunity. I'm going to put you on. That's amazing. Like there's not just one way to do it. So anybody that. Yeah, you're one of the people I said, this woman's unreal. You got to see her, send them your stuff. You know, it's like, it's, and, and, you know, not a lot of people have done that for me and especially women, which is so sad. It is so, this is the main problem we have. This is, this is why hopefully it doesn't stop with what's happening with the hysterical, what Tiffany's doing you know, um, I, uh, you know, saw Holly, you have a show, which is so amazing. Cause now you have this outlet to do what you're doing, which is congratulations. And now you can, so much, and I'm trying to bring in, you know, I know this is, but cause there's so much gold out there. I know so, so, so many women there. at these high levels. I mean, I'm being honest, they're not doing a lot to help us. And, and, and we, a lot of us, including me, I'll speak for myself. I don't have a ton of opportunity to really, I mean, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I'm not doing theater gigs and have a huge podcast where I'm making millions or, you know, I don't have like the resources to really help people as much. You know, I don't have a consistent television show or whatever to really help a lot of women. I mean, I, hopefully I will, but I just would love to see more women do what Tiffany's doing and what, what, Because some of these women do not do a lot to help other. They help men. Yeah, they help men a lot, and the men help men constantly. Yeah, well, it's crazy the sense of competition that people feel. Like before, I was a comedian. I was I was an actress, and I never forget this big agency was interested in me and like got all gussied up and like went down there and everything. I never forget. They were like, "Oh, we already have a light skinned girl like you." Uh, I'll never forget it. I was just like. So, okay, like, <laughs> I'm a totally different person, but like, all right. So people are like, don't want to like give out, you know, they don't, and it's like, you're not really helping yourself or anybody else by holding everything so tight. So how do you feel, Holly, now that you have a, your new show up late? Wait, let's see. Let me get it right. Hella late. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I call myself trying to se- segue nicely. And it I would have like, been good if you had the it, name. It right. would have. It would have. I so no, you can still do it and edit that way. Let's start. Let's start and stop. Give Marina a chance to get it right. No, they the listeners know I fuck up. That's the best part. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's hello, hello late. Yes. Yes. Hella late with so Holly, Harper. Holly Harper pitched her late night comedy show Hella Late with Holly Harper to Downtown Brooklyn Arts and Media Institution Brick TV and has just premiered as its very first late night talk show series 
June 8th was the premiere. The show, which is almost completely written by Harper and includes an entirely black production team, features sketches, naughty songs, women on the street interviews done right in Brooklyn, and celebrity Q&As. I was one of them. (laughs) Segments include include asking Brooklyn Knights to play um, Mary F. F. Kill? Yes. Is that a full name? Yeah, that's the game name, Mary F. Kill. Have you never played Mary F. Kill, Marina? What? Oh, God, we got to do with Marina. You give three people, and it's like, who? which one would you marry? Which one would you fuck? And which one would you kill? Oh, that game. People really surprised me. <laughs> Let's do it with the three of us. <laughs> I would, you know, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so you have, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, so you have Jason Momoa. You have Lenny Kravitz, and you have Idris Elba. Jason Momoa, Lenny Kravitz, and Idris Elba. Who do you marry? Who do you F? Who do you kill? Wait, who's Jason Momoa? What? He is, let me tell you something, I would switch for him. (laughs) He is everything. I'm not just saying that, I would. Lisa Bonet's new husband, Lenny Kravitz is the first husband, and Idris Elba is my husband. The, oh, he's the yeah. only one. Oh, he's yeah. the only one I would for Aquaman. Mm. Yeah, I'll never forget. I saw the poster for Aquaman. I was like, I might have to see Aquaman. Like, <laughs> I don't even see these types of movies. I was like, I might have he's to. He's so see pretty. That. He looks like a woman. Who would I kill? <laughs> Jessica's like, I would. Mm. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I would kill Idris Elba, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because I can't stand to have him around. Looking that good, <laughs> I would have to kill him off. I think I'd marry him. Well, he's been married three times. So. Oh fuck! That. Really? Yeah, oh. this is his third wife. Oh yeah, no. Oh, Sabrina's the third. Mm-hmm. She's the th- oh, all right yeah, now. That's not good. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know that. I Actually, I love Idris, and maybe I would have to kill him too because I would have to kill him. I definitely have to marry Jason Momoa and fuck Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I'm. I'm with you, Aaron. That's the order. Yeah, I would have to kill Idris because I can't have a man that beautiful break up with me. I can't. Like, I he can't would definitely break up with you. He breaks up with everyone. Like, I'm never coming back from that. Yeah, never. You would. Never. I almost had that. <laughs> I almost. <laughs> I mean, I will say he was almost. You had like, like you had you had like the. the he was. He looked like Idris Elba. The Aldi version of Idris Elba. He was British. He was. Like, had- she had the Kroger version. Like if Kroger made Marina's beautiful man, oh, that's what God. he would. So who are you gonna f? Who, who y'all gonna f? What's going Lenny on? Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. Oh, oh, oh! Wow. Yeah, you have to. I mean, he's. Mm. one of the sexiest men to ever live he is he is and apparently he's obsessed with michelle buteau which really made me so angry i was like why 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 how did she do that wow all right now that's that's nice yeah that's nice i forgot where i found out i think keith told me keith told me that janelle james posted it how she upset she was that lenny kravitz was obsessed with michelle buteau (laughs) and it was really funny you know well he's obsessed with me and my fantasies i always said if i ever won the lottery i would buy like two lenny kravitz so that in case you know like because you want to have an extra but absolutely adore him and he's getting better and better and better and better every year how yeah i've been following him on instagram and i'm like okay their whole world 
Lisa Bonet, the mimosa guy. That's his name, mimosa. Mimosa. Jason, mimosa. <laughs> I love you for said mimosa. I would have that at brunch, with Jason, mimosa. <laughs> you see why I can't really be an Oprah? Bottomless, <laughs> bottomless mimosa. Bottomless Jason, mimosa. What? Jason Momoa. You just helped somebody's brunch out there. You did. Yeah. You helped somebody's brunch out there. I'm having a hot flash. Look at my glasses are falling. Look, your glasses are falling. And they're living a whole life where it's like, yeah, I'm cool with the ex. We're friends. They've got this whole spiritual thing where you're just like, everybody just beautiful and happy. They're too happy. I don't like it. (laughs) You don't trust it when it's that. No, that's not good. You're like watching be a cannibal on the It's because they look like that. Like nobody's like the ugly ex. Nobody's the one who lost out. You know what I mean? Like they're they're just all fabulous. Well, this is what's great about your show, Holly. And I, I read this. It's about black joy, black women's joy. It's smart, yeah. but silly. And to be honest, it's geared toward grownups. It really is. And I think it's a lot of fun. And I think that's what you wanted to say is escapism, right? You didn't want to like, it is. Ha- like, I think so much in black, like entertainment right now is focused on history and you know we got slavery slavery is every single time slavery you know like i feel like all this progression is necessary but then like i don't feel like blackness needs to be synonymous with tragedy do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like if you look at it like our ancestors our elders they had fun (laughs) like they had fun and they went through bad stuff too so i just kind of feel like everybody else can do that I, you know, I, I'm just pure silliness and pure fun and escapism. I just want to have fun mm-hmm. and with some grown folks. Like I really do. I want to have fun. So I'm not really about pop culture. I'm more about culture. Mm-hmm. I also like that you, you said you, you fine tuned this pitch, right? It wasn't like, yeah, like take me through that. Cause you said you, in the past you had, what well, I had written it down, but hold on. Where, yeah. In the past I had pitched to brick. Uh, a few times and I pitched to other networks, but I never had anyone really take the time and show me how to do a proper pitch deck. And I don't know what it is, but people like hold that pitch deck info close. Like I've taken two pitch workshops before they didn't even tell you the, the, but the breakdown of a pitch, but I developed a project with another production company. I live in the best building. I live in a building with all these creative people that just live here in Brooklyn. And so they walked me through the pitch because they were interested in my projects. So then I knew how to do it. So when uh, Justin Bryant from Brick TV, I've been hosting all these Zoom shows during a panini and he was like, you should pitch to Brick. And I knew immediately what it was because I constantly do mock pitches for things that I like to do just to like stretch my muscles. So it was the fact that I had a really strong pitch deck combined with hosting all these shows. And then I already had something ready to go. That's what did it. See, that's so important for anyone that's listening. It's it's not easy. It's like you really have to exercise that muscle. You can't just, you know, when we talk about like, you know, writers in the room, black writers in the room, you know, there there probably isn't a lot of information out there for young ones like starting out to just. It's a whole other skill, you know, being good in a room. Yeah. People hold that information close. Like I have a good friend of mine. She was like, Holly, nobody will show me a pitch deck. And I was like, mm-hmm, that happened to me too. And we just spent an hour on Zoom and I just walked her through the whole entire thing about the imagery and the tone and the comparables and the log line versus synopsis versus all the episodes and who the creative team is. And because it's like you go in there and they're like, oh, you have a one sheet. And you're like, oh, this is great. And then like, you get they get in the meeting and then people start asking them questions. 
and then they can't answer them and then they move on to somebody else's. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely had to learn it on the fly, but I actually had my production company. I was like, send me all kinds because mm-hmm. I, at least I, you know what I mean? Send me all the pitch things that you have for comedies. Cause I know yeah. what the tone of it is, but like, let's see how I could, you know what I mean? And even down to like, when you're writing your characters, make sure you tell the people who, like, like you said, like in terms of, I don't know if that's what you mean by comparables, but like, give me and tell me this person looks like Marina Franklin, or this person looks like Erica Badu, or she looks like Rihanna, or give somebody a picture so they know who they're looking. I mean, it's a, every, every detail matters. Yes, yeah. they are not creative people. Yeah. You have to spill yeah. everything out. Like I was like, I really have to spell out that they're like, no, she's like a like a 15 year old Beyonce. You have to be like a 15 year old Beyonce, but short, still has baby fat. Like you have to like really paint the picture for everything. But the fact that people in this industry hold those pitch decks close, that's not cool. And I really would like to encourage more people to have pitch, like just pitch deck workshops will move a lot of people further along. It really would. What were you going to say, Jessica? Your best say No, it's like, and even I've probably more so now because of COVID. Don't you think people would be more holding them even closer? It's like everyone's so <laughs> even more anxious about that shit. That's true. Yeah. I don't understand it though. Like, honestly, I don't understand it because it's like, oh, you don't. I mean, no. Yeah, I, I, I understand it because people are mentally ill, but I don't understand it because it helps, it helps people. Get if your idea out. is not like my idea, I just want to see how you did it. I'm, it's I not know. my, it's not your, it's not your idea. I'm not pitching your show. Well, there are a lot of thieves out there, though. I have seen that, so that I guess like you pitch. You can look though. You can look because I was able to pull down like um, show bibles from shows that are already made. Like you right. can look back at the. Um, there's some really good ones out there. Like, what's the? I look at the so new girl. Honest. Like, you can look at the new girl pitch, the pitch, right? And you can see what it became. But you can look through how they how they broke. It's just, that's not the style I wrote mine in. But I was able to pull, as opposed to people that are working on stuff, pull shows that are on the air and look for their show bibles because that's out there too. And that kind of shows you. Then you could see where it started, and now you know what it is, and you can do that comparison too. So I think, um, yeah, yeah, that that helped me too. Yeah, that just stood out to me that you said that in an interview, um, Holly, because I think that's so important that people know that it's not like like we just arrive on the scene and we just knew how to do this. And it was just luck. It's difficult. It's a learning process. Like, yeah, Jessica, can you talk about like because you just when you sold your show for Peacock? Well, um, Bonnie McFarlane and I um, got a script and presentation deal with NBC Peacock. That's great. About, nice. Thank great. you about my life. So it's about um, my, you know, it's like a lot of truth and some made up stuff, of course, about my life and my situation with my relationship and my kids. And um, so we're, we wrote a script and then we're going to shoot a presentation, which is different than a pilot. Um, it's a, it's a lot less of a budget, but still we get to shoot something, which is great. But I've been learning a lot, just going through it, like stuff I never knew, um, which I've just had to learn and no one ever explained to me. Uh, so it's interesting to just learn it while I'm doing it. But, um, yeah, a lot of people don't just teach you things. I mean, I've had to just learn stuff and it's, they do hold it. They do. They hold it. 
<laughs> they do. They don't want to share that that gift. No, and I it's mean, real simple. Like, well, it's it's not simple stuff. The pitch deck and and the one sheet and all that. And so that's why you do need to look at it and look at other examples of it so you can learn. But that's why when people like sort of, you know, come at you and they go, your show is like this. And why didn't you do this? They don't know like all of the the struggle and how you have to learn it on the go. And the first show, the first what they always say, the first season may not be the best season. Right. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, no, no, it needs to be to get back. Like, also, you get notes. I mean, we hand it in. They're like, no, we think. <laughs> and then you're like, this is not at all what I'm. And pilots are always so clunky, right? Because you're trying to get all the information in there. You guys are going to laugh. We just handed in the script and they were like, we we love Jessica's stand-up. And we just wanted to see, you know, more of her stand-up. <laughs> you guys are going to crack up. We just want to see like more, you know, of like lighthearted stuff. And I'm like, have you seen? <laughs> have you seen my stand-up? Like, do you know who I'm she is? I'm completely enraged. Um, so I, I don't know. That's so Where's light, the cutesy stuff? Where's the cutesy stuff that yeah, Jessica like, always does? <laughs> go up and talk about rainbows and unicorns i'm like i hate all of you and you're dumb like i don't i don't know when i've been like hi everyone how are you like it's just you know you kind of you a lot of it is is what they want i mean again we're not i'm not the decision maker with this stuff with networks i mean it's yeah 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 well i got really lucky because i was the only writer like i wrote the whole show the only person who wrote anything was the guy I've been working with my music, like my music partner. He, like, I came up with the melodies for the funny songs. I love that you do that. And the lyrics. And then he just, and I just said, look, it's boom, boom meets boom, boom. I'm like, it's got like the bass, it's got a trap bass, but then it's got like Beastie Boys kind of energy. And then he's amazing. He just like came up with it. Oh. But I'm lucky I didn't have to go to other writers and be like, you or you. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I lucked out, but yeah. You're an auteur. Eh, but thank you. It but, sounds like it if you're doing it all yourself. I mean, you're right. I am. I just, you know, I know. I just don't like to sound like an asshole. You know what I mean? I don't want to sound like an asshole. You're not an asshole. I'll, that was one of the things I also noticed with working with you. You're so nice and kind and, and you, you know me. You know, I was like, I don't have this file to send you again. I don't know where to find it. But you were so like sweet and like it was great working with you. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate that. Is that most people are nice to me. And Same thing. Stop it. But you know, we remember when you work with an asshole, like you remember that. Oh, you remember that. And I don't want to be that person for somebody. I don't like that could be somebody else. That's the, that's the beauty of getting things. I think later as opposed to early on, because mm -hmm. I posted something recently on my Instagram, I'll read it because I, I loved it so much because I was feeling it kind of lately because I think we're, we've all been doing this for some time. And it says you got to be careful in this season who you walk past because God is getting ready to reverse the order. You got to be careful who you look down on because God is getting ready to reverse the order. Just because I don't seem like I have it doesn't mean I'm not about to get it. The last shall be the first and the tail shall be the head. Oh, I love that, Marina. I'm reposting that. That was in a house music song. That's that's, that's amazing. <laughs> they do that in house in house music. They go, the, the tail shall be the head. And you're like, oh, that that that's spiritual house music. That is. 
But it just resonated with me because I do know like, you know, I'm an older comedian and I see some a lot of younger comedians who are getting things and sometimes they're, you know, their head gets big and they may, may be a little, you know, obnoxious at times. And it's like, you know, it's a long career. I can say something quick about that. I always say to some other female comics that are at our level, I'm like, some of these younger, com- when I was y- a young female comic, I would go up to like these women who have been doing it 20 years and be like, hello, how are you? Can I get you water? Like I was like a geisha girl. So was I. I was like, hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> like, I was petrified of them. And like, they were gods to me. These girls, some of them, not all, but some are like, hi, um, I'm up next. So like they literally have no respect. I'm not saying they're all like that, but some of them are, it is amazing to me. They have no humility. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know have what you noticed that. Or I have. Just, I, well, life will knock you on your butt. You know what I mean? And it's really funny. Like I never got when I started not feeling old anymore. Cause I feel like when you're in your thirties, you kind of want to be in your twenties. You want to pass from your twenties. And then when you're in your forties, sometimes you're like, you know, Oh, I so like, I'm so young. But like, you know, I'm coasting through 50 and like now I'm at a point where I'm like, ah, I'm past that. You know what I mean? Like, cause I guess, cause I have kids that are zoomers. Yeah. Like they're zoomers. They think millennials are old. They think everybody's old. So when I look at like people who are 10, 15 years younger than me, I'm like, all these kids think we're all old. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's always, there's always a next generation behind you. So, you know. Remember that. Yes, yes. And there's and the and you never know when the generation ahead of you is going to do something and can possibly help you out. That's why you never want to look past. Absolutely. You never want to look down on anyone. You always want to just be nice to people. It's really it's really important to not get in this business and just. Yeah, that's what I, I just noticed about Jessica. Holly, both of you, just working with you, it's just, it was pleasant. It was a pleasant experience. So thank you. I mean, I think that's why Ellen is gone. I know. Well, I mean, again, I, I think her stand up, her old stand up was brilliant and I loved her show, but I'm, I'm, I'll never understand her lack of uh, support for female comics on her show. I think it's unbelievable. I mean, she's done a ton for gay people. I can give her that. I just, I cannot believe she's had a show. How many years did she have a show? I don't know. I'm too. 18, 19 years. Okay. And she's had Amy Schumer on, I think. I was on it. She had Aaron on. And Tiffany what, did you do stand up? I did stand up. I did panel, but it was in 08. What? Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's a big deal because she, I don't know anyone else. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I know the same people that you know. She mm-hmm. had Tiffany Haddish, but Tiffany was basically a star when she had her on. Yeah, no, she had me on four years into comedy. I did stand up. She sat me down. We talked. I don't know oh anyone else who's done that for. She hasn't done it for many people. And I, but I remember people being like, how the f- did that happen? How was she? How did she how treat did you? you? Meet her. I mean, how did the, I'm curious because she has never done that for anyone. Yeah, no, she didn't. And, and, um, I just had a really great experience with her, but then. After that, I start, I, everybody was like, how? Because you start hearing, you know, but anyway, um, no, I, she had, it was the first year I had done last comic and it was actually, um, I mean, I didn't win. I only made it to the semis back in 08, but she saw me and she liked the set. She was like, you work clean, come do my show. And I was like, this has got to be a joke. And so, yeah, 
But yeah, it was one of the best. And then I quit my job after. I mean, I'm, I'm not as clean now, but I, I can be as clean. You know what I mean? But I just have more fun when I'm in the city now. But yeah, she, she, um, I was able to quit my job after it. It was. I'm glad she did that for you. I mean, that's great. But having a show. Oh, absolutely. You're, I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. It's unbelievable to me. It's like she knows the struggle. She was on the road for so many years to have that kind of outlet and that kind of power and to not, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I'm friendly with Rosie for years. You know, Rosie had a show. It's like you have so much power and so much control to do. You can like, you you really, she could have changed a lot of female comics lives. I mean, hundreds, like she really... And I guess, I don't know, but it's not just that. I mean, I've, you know, I know so many people who've worked for her and um, who've had major jobs for her. And it just, it, it there's so many things that, that people have said. I, I just don't understand. Well, it really came out. I mean, I remember you tweeting about it. I think you tweeted about it, Jessica, right? Yeah. And then the fallout of like people just going, she's just not nice. I was like, yeah, I mean, that wasn't from my tweet, but people, went I mean, but you, you tweeted about her. something else. And then the fallout of her being nice came after, not because of your tweet, but just major stuff about her. Well, a lot of people that worked for her, what happened was COVID happened and she didn't take care of her staff. That's what happened. Yes. The people yeah, were crazy. The on her. I, heard, yeah. I also noticed this Holly, and I want to bring this, I don't want to miss this beat of you with black creatives because most of your staff you have an all-black production team and that's not easy you said it didn't it just shook out that way right yeah it really shook out that way i mean there's a couple white people that that are, that are working with us but like the basic creative team was a uh, was black like my showrunner the black female showrunner which is important not as many black female showrunners out there like, the more the merrier and she's amazing uh, her name is Okima Timor. She's amazing. She brought in all these people. So the director of, of the sketches, um, then my musical director is black, the editor is black, and then so many of the PAs and everything were all black. And it was just, it was really interesting because all of a sudden I saw it shaking out that way. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is wonderful. And honestly, it was one of the best experiences. Like shooting, everything was smooth, smooth. Oh, the makeup. Uh, the best face forward makeup. They like when they had me is that sadness that like uh, the character from Inside Out. They were like they just. I was so afraid because I was like, is this blue makeup gonna come off my face? Like, I was <laughs> like my husband was texting me like, are you sure? You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm blue now. Sure? I'm blue now. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, but they just took so much care with me, and it was just so smooth, and it was wonderful, and I just. But like to me, seeing the young ones, the 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 ones that were like twenty, like the seventeen to twenty five, who were really hungry, that just made me feel so good. And so it was great. How many episodes did you shoot? There's four. Four. Okay. Four. I wanted six because you gotta have six to be considered for Emmys. Because oh. Brick gets Brick shows from Brick get Emmys. Yes, they do. They get Emmy nominated. So I was like, oh, what six? You know. But I got four, and I'm ha and I'm happy. And then I saw I'm it happy. on New York One. I was on New York one because you, you were. and I didn't even, and I watched, I'm one of the few that still watches New York one. I, people make I fun of New me, one. but I watched New York one. I love New York one. So that was exciting. I know it was crazy. Cause my daughter is so funny. Like my daughter, uh, uh, no, my son, he was like, you guys look like you could be cousins. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, we do. 
And also <laughs> the article that I put this in, that's my friend's um, newspaper for the Brooklyn Reader. That's my one of my oh, closest wow. friends. I've had her on the show several times, Zawadi Morris. Oh, wow. Yeah, she went to school with me. She knew my whole family and... Oh, so you just knew the whole team. Like, you just had connections all I just it. know so many people because I've been alive a long time. <laughs> Isn't that crazy how you live? The longer you live, the more people you know. I know so many. One of the audience, they always say, Marina knows everybody. I just lived a long life. You know, that's all. But yeah, she wrote that article up on, or someone on her staff wrote that article about you. So that's great. I loved it. I love the Brooklyn connection. Thank you. I love Brooklyn. I, um, I want to talk. I want to get to some of these topics. The first one, one of my young uh, interns put this in. Thank you, Lucy. She's like 16. I think she may be 17 now. Um, inside the growing underground network of parent fighting anti-racism in New York City schools. So I'm sure, Holly, you have to be dealing with this. I don't know, Jessica, if it's in Long Island, if they're dealing with this, but until last summer, Harvey Goldman had no idea that his nine-year-old daughter was learning about George Floyd's death and Black Lives Matter, as well as her own white privilege at the 43000 per year, is it Hesco School in Manhattan? Now he's part of an underground network of parents in New York City and around the country, many of whom are left-leaning, fighting what they believe is the undue focus on race by schools as part of the new woke culture. In response to the letter he sent to the school, the school suggested Goldman take his daughter out of school. He said so he did. The family moved to Florida where his daughter is enrolled in public school that he vetted beforehand to make sure that critical race theory, CRT, was not part of the curriculum. CRT is controversial, is a controversial prescription for addressing racial issues centered around the idea of white privilege. It originated in universities and has spread to K-12 schools both public and private. And it's high priest. Many parents say it's anti-racist scholar Ibram X. Oh yeah. It's high priest is anti-racist scholar Ibram X. So I don't know what I've had this conversation before on the podcast with, um, Noam at the comedy cellar where he was telling me how it's just too young. I don't think so because, uh, well, people, first of all, people don't really understand what critical race theory means. You know, it's just that systemic racism is by design. It's like, it's embedded into the laws and the fabric of our society and affects every field. And to me, I don't think it's that deep. I think it's just telling the truth. Like I, you know what I mean? How like, is that controversial? Is, thank you. Like the truth is the truth. I'm just kind of like, I don't understand what we're fighting about. The truth is the truth. And it's not about, uh, hating whiteness. It's about hating white supremacy. I think what's happening is the parents feel that their kids are coming home and going, am I, I, I am not living a privileged life. Like I, why are they blaming me? That's what the kids are saying. Am I a white supremacist mommy? Yeah. So all the parent needs to do is explain it that you're not. Yeah. And then you want, do you want um, cookies or do you want ice cream? Yeah. Kids move, they move on from a topic. You know that, Jessica. Like, they'll be talking to you and then just move That's right on. That's what I'm saying. I would do that with my daughter if she came up. First of all, my kid's in private school. Thank God. I, I don't want my kids in, <laughs> I mean, in public school. Sorry. I meant to say public school. Always want my kids in public school. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so that, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is, I love that it's left-leaning. It's left-leaning. <laughs> God help me. Yeah. They're like, we support it, but like, 
I, I just, I don't know how denying what the country, like what the country is benefits you. Like yeah, it's, I but when I hear people talking about it, especially the people on the right, I won't say that I've heard a lot of it from the left. Like this article was like, oh, wow. But it's usually like somebody's coming home. My kids are coming home saying that their teachers are teaching them that they're racist and that they're bad. I'm like, I don't think that's what's happening. I think you're twisting that. I don't think anybody, yeah. any teacher is telling a kid you're racist and you're part of the, you know what I mean? I just don't believe yeah, it. I don't either. And you're inherently racist because that's what they're saying. They're saying, you know, just because you're white, you're, I don't think that's what's happening. I think I they're saying, either. and why do you feel so connected to the system? Like it is what it, you can be a person and not, you feel like an attack on the system or a crit, critique of the system is a critique upon your person. And then, so why do you feel so connected to the system? Thank you. You sound like the, you might be the problem. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I have these, I have the same conversations about critical race theory I have with my kids. I, I mean, I've been talking with them since they were three years old. I talk to them about misogyny, about how that's woven into society. Like I was explaining to my son that up in through like the early seventies, a woman needed a husband or a father or a son to co-sign to buy an apartment. Yeah, to buy a home. You know what I mean? I'm like, and that affects generational wealth. So these conversations of critical race theory, to me, it's just common sense. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you're, I'm sorry, if you are so tied to the system, then like what, what's going on with you? Well, cause they are part, they're tied to the system. They were taught by the system. So they're stuck in the system. Cause they, I, I, I noticed in the article, they're like, this is not how I came up or this is not how I grew up. And that's the problem that they're not seeing is like, yeah, that's exactly right. You, you were brought up wrong in school. I mean, the, these kids are angry about not knowing. I, I noticed that during the pandemic with George Floyd and all that, there were white kids who were angry that they didn't know enough about their black history, about their black history. It's all of our history. Mm -hmm. The history, American history. It's American history. It's American history. Um, but this is one part where it says it's awful what's going on there. One of the mothers says the fourth graders learned about astronauts and inventors, but only the black ones. They no longer learn about Thomas Edison. Oh, my God. That's not true. It's not true. No more birthday celebrations are allowed. <laughs> this is actually very sick. No holidays. Yeah, these people are saying they did away with Columbus Day, but now they celebrate the end of Ramadan. I hear this stuff sometimes, just so you know. I'm telling you, I hear this yeah, stuff I hear it too. from other people. And I really, um, I don't have the strength in me to argue with people on a daily basis because, again, I think people aren't well. I'm not, I know it sounds like I'm trying to be funny, but I really think that people are out of their minds. And I will just be screaming, yelling, fighting with people every day if I, so I have to pick and choose my battles because I'll, I'm going to end up killing someone one day and going to jail. It's like hysteria. Like, what are you talking about? They're not no, talking about white it's, inventors. It's, Is yeah. it Black History Month? Did they tell you about one Black inventor in Black History Month and you got upset? Like, what? what is that about? That's not true. I know. And I don't even have kids and I know that's not true, that they're not teaching you about Thomas Edison. That's ridiculous. Now they're trying to do it. Like, it's crazy. People are becoming paranoid and insane. Like, it's crazy. And it's, it's, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, now we had a black president. Now they're taking over. Now the next vice president is a black too. That's why people are hysterical right now. That's why they're climbing the Capitol. I know. They're insane. They're fearful and insane. And they think they're being wiped out. They do, and it, especially that that wiped out thing makes me laugh. Especially considering because I did I did a lot of reading about passing because my mother had an aunt that passed in the fifties. This like totally went 
white. They got divorced and she moved to Chicago and just lived her life as a white woman, right? And so I started doing all this research. They said that up to 25% of white Americans have direct black ancestry, like grandparent or great grandparent. Wow. So I'm like, this is American history. This is who we are. So the whole idea that we're just like, it's not patriotic. It's like, well, what does, what does patriotism mean to you then? Because I thought patriotism was loving your country and you can't really love your country if you don't love the people in the country. Well, maybe there's a way that, I mean, because this other part is a problem. Marin, who said her kids have been exposed to CRT in their public schools, said the ideology may have started with some good intentions, but now she says it's like a cult. If you don't go along with them, they think you are evil, but people should know that you can survive even if you speak out. Stand your ground and say what you believe. Don't apologize for simple truths. Now, while she sounds crazy, there is a nugget of of something I do understand is that we do need to hear where people are ignorant so that we can educate them. And maybe it's like we need to understand that these are the parents who are the residuals of really bad education. How do we how do we educate the parents? They need to like how do we have these conversations with these parents? So you know, I know I'm sorry. Well, my daughter, when she first went to her elementary school, it was common core math. Right. And I had to, and parents, we were screaming uh, 10 years ago, we were common core, common core. We had to go to the school on parent teacher night, but it was a lot and really learn how to do math all over again. Like the math, the common core of math is not the math that we learned. It's not the algorithm of the, like the, this, then this carry the one. So I'm like, I feel like maybe parents meet, they need to have, a parent-teacher night, like a history night, where you actually are learning and relearning what these things are. So when my daughter started in sixth ed in the fifth grade, we had to go through the whole syllabus. He said the syllabus home, went through the whole thing. I actually learned a lot. I was like, wow, I didn't know all that. Um, and then like sign it and like send it back. So it's kind of like you're learning along with your kid. So it's not some scary thing. Yeah. And I think when you have these, li- like if these are liberal people, they're going, okay, we buy into the struggle, like we understand, but like, I think there's still, I think there's a lot of, I mean, I can't speak for white folks, but I feel like there's, you know, um, there is an feeling of being attacked when you're just stating a fact. And it's like, look, we're saying historically white people in this country have done X. Everything is not specifically about you. Nobody's attacking you as a human being. It's just a fact. And so you have these people going, I'm with you. I think the police shouldn't kill you. I think you should have access to these things, right? But they're going, don't tell my kid he's the problem. And they're not not saying you're the problem. Nobody's telling your kid they're the problem. They're saying, historically, the patterns in this country have been this. And you happen to be white. I think you really hit on, you hit the nail on it. they, They feel, they get defensive immediately. Um, because they, I, I get it because I can separate myself from it, but I think a lot of them do feel like they're being attacked and they immediately get defensive and say, well, I don't feel that way. So don't tell me I feel that way. You know? Yeah. Let's um, talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> but we are talking about privilege and it's but real. People are so narcissistic. They immediately think. Yeah. But then like hit dogs holler. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know. Uh, I know. Why are you that upset? I, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's all I keep thinking while we're talking about it too. 
But I am really concerned, uh, Marina, when you talk about people not wanting to teach critical race theory. Like, to me, like, it's like you're treating the obvious history like a boogeyman. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you treating the truth? And what does that say to Black children? Like, he, did they have any idea how insulting it is to Black people and to Black children that you don't want to teach the truth? Because it makes you feel bad? Because it makes you feel bad? I have friends who just, they just don't know. And they've actually said to me, well, my daughter is so young. Is, is Does she need to get all of that? And I was like, my response was, you know, Black kids don't have that option. We d- They just don't. And, and, and I think... I understand it from this episode is what they think the kids are getting is different from what is being taught. Yeah, that's what I, I, it has to be. They need a parent teacher night with history. That's what they need. And it's also listening skills. Like I learned, sometimes I don't listen very well. Like I'll, this is something I've learned about myself. Like this podcast has taught me how to listen. This is why I keep going. Cause if I don't do this podcast, I may stop learning how to listen to people. Because I've learned, like, even through my breast cancer scare, like, I would go into the room, record the doctor, and I would hear myself asking the doctor something they had already said. Yeah. They, and they were repeating themselves to me. So it was just like, oh, my God, I'm not, I'm not retaining the information as it's coming at me. And I think in, in these situations, because it, everyone is so freaking triggered, they're not listening the right way. And they're just defensive immediately. I think this next article about anti-Semitism relates to this, by the way, because of the yep. importance of education. I love this quote. By the way, I am 20%, um, I, am I 12% Ashkenazi? So these are my people. <laughs> I like to always make sure it's clear. At one point in our proceedings, everyone held their book up in the air to physically remind people that education is the solution to stopping anti-Semitism. So, you know, you know, I put this in because I think for some reason I always hear from people who aren't Jewish, Jessica, like that they don't think there is anti-Semitism in the world. <laughs> I, wow. I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't even ha- I don't even know how to respond to that, to say that there isn't a home, um, anti-Semitism in the world. It is so extreme um i it's i i mean i i mean i have this story about the two jewish teenage boys surrounded by an angry group that was physically assaulted and refused to repeat anti-semitic words and the boys refused to repeat anti former state assemblyman dove hicken tweeted that a muslim uber driver drove the teens to safety yeah so i'm i'm a woman obviously I'm a lesbian. I'm married to another woman, um, and I'm Jewish. And I think that the most hate I feel is being Jewish. That's a huge statement um, in my life. Um, the second is probably as a woman. So, how do you experience that? How do you experience anti-Semitism? Um, there's just this deep hatred that I feel in my gut when I know people know, because I'm not talking about, and even in New York, but I mean, here it's one thing, but I mean, like just as, as a comic on the road, um, 
when I was in college in Maryland, um, when I've been on, abroad, you know, traveling in Europe and, and around the world. Um, I mean, just in conversations, just, just, uh, this hatred, this, this deep hatred that I can, it's like, I can feel it in people's eyes, like in their, in their soul. It's hard to, I mean, I know you guys get it, but it's different because I have to say it. You know what I mean? It's not something anyone knows until I start talking about it. Yeah, that's why I bring it up because for some reason, people don't think that it exists. And I've had these conversations. I went to Chicago recently and a couple of conversations. I I was watching how people were talking about Jewish people. And I was like, this is crazy. And see, I grew up, we grew up in Jersey, Jess. So it's like, to me, I'm like, I've never thought any way about it. It's different in Jersey. So I, I'm like, everybody was, all my neighbors were Jewish. My friends are Jewish. It wasn't. Jersey, a, yeah. So yeah. I, I grew up in South Jersey going to bat mitzvahs. Right. So in Jersey, Jersey, I never, yeah. I didn't feel it growing up. But then once I got out of Jersey, I, so I never felt it growing up because I grew up in South Orange and it was like, I am so blessed where I grew up. It was the most amazing community. I can't even, I was friends with every kind of person. I, 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 being black, being white, being Jewish, being Catholic, it was nothing. I didn't, I didn't know any different. It was nothing to me. It was like, I can't, I didn't see, I grew up not knowing anything. Like I had no hatred towards anyone and I never felt hatred towards me ever for being Jewish or anything. But then when I got out of Jersey and went to college. I mean, I had pennies thrown at me all the time. I mean, it was bad. Whoa. And, yeah. And I just, I feel it now a lot. It's gotten worse and worse and worse, um, obviously, because of everything in the Middle East. I mean, it's such a fucking joke. It's like, are you literally taking it out on us? What's happening in Israel? Like, what do I have to do? With what's going on I feel like people don't really understand. So well, I feel like I've heard people say that, like, and I, this is, I don't know if this is okay, thing, but it's what people say. So I, I don't think I've heard anybody, I haven't heard anybody say that anti-Semitism doesn't exist. What I've heard people say, though, is that all critique of Israel isn't anti-Semitism. That's what I've heard. I've never heard anybody say that it doesn't exist because clearly it does exist. You know what I mean? But Oh, sure. And I agree with criti criticism of Israel is not- As a state. Right. Right. I agree with that completely. I I don't I'm not okay with what's what has been happening. But there is uh, oh my god, it's deep. The hatred towards Jews. It is, is deep. But, but what I have heard and it's been disturbing to me is I've seen okay, I've seen anti-Semitism, right? And then I'm talking to someone I'm like that was really messed up. You know, and they go, "Well, you well, when Israel wakes up, I'm like, yeah, but like these people like you can't just hit on people because of what's happening. Yeah, what is that? Like that's that isn't like so. All of a sudden, you're just waiting for a reason to throw a stone. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, are you kidding? Like, am I okay with with pe people being blown up in their like? Who said I'm okay with that? Yeah, it's like they're using this to excuse the violence, right, and it's I like no, you're you're just violent. You're just hateful. But you violent. said it, Jessica. People are stupid. They and they don't even know what they're, and then I find like people right now want to jump on a soapbox so bad. So they don't even like, we've, we've tried to talk about it on the show. And I said, ah, stop. I don't know what I'm talking about. So we don't talk about something unless we have someone who really knows 
And I think that's what smart people do is you don't talk about what you don't know. I agree with you completely because I'm naive about a lot of shit. So I don't talk about it. But that's not happening. People are talking. <laughs> I know. I feel like there's a difference between being informed, actually informed, and like reading a tweet, right? And so many people think that they've read a tweet that was like, mm, and they think they now know about it and they can talk about it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, th listen, I, I don't, I, it's scary. I know that this hatred towards Jews, and I'm not talking about everyone, but it's gone back since the beginning of time and it's why the community has stuck so close together it's why your community has stuck so close together because the hatred is so deep the hatred is so deep listen do you know how many times i hear people don't hate black people racism there's no racism i'm like are you fucking kidding when people say do you know how many times i hear that from white people. I'm like, if you say that one more time around me, I'm going to like literally punch you in the face. It is so insane to me when people say that to me. I'm like, you're the, you're the dumbest person I've ever spoken to in my entire life. For you to say that is sick. You need to go see a therapist. You need to go talk to someone. My ex-boyfriend's mother used to say that. It's the sickest thing you could ever. He was white and he, she didn't think it existed until I walked into her, her private club with her son and the old white lady dropped the spoon in her soup. Right. <laughs> That's all you have to do. That is like Just a movie comical. Just walk in a room. Oh yeah. She was like, Oh, I, I was like, I'm Oprah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. People are crazy. I have, you know, I write a, I write a blog on medium and I write a lot I write a lot about racism uh, a few years ago until I started getting really busy, but I'll never forget this guy wrote me back and he was just like, it's because of people like you that racism is still perpetuated and you're a terrible parent. And if, how dare you tell your kids about racism? And now that we've established you're a bad parent, how are you going to improve? <laughs> it's just like, it was wild. And I was like, so you better tell your black children about racism. I know like that will get them killed. You know what I mean? To not, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to. And plus they have questions. The kids, they, they see things, they know what's going on. You know what I mean? I mean, my, my, my daughter, I'll never forget when, remember Philando Castillo when he got shot in the car? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, like, first of all, they ran that on the six o'clock news with no kind of anything before. I know. And his kid was in the car. And this kid, my daughter ran screaming out of the room. She was freaked out. And then for the whole summer, every time my husband went somewhere in the car, she wanted to go with him because she was like, maybe if I'm there, he'll stand a chance. But then that, the, the, but then that little girl was there and he got killed anyway. So, you know, you, you have to be honest with kids about this. But these people who believe that racism doesn't exist or anti-Semitism doesn't, I think that's just willful ignorance. This willful, they know. That's why the school system, back to the um, education in the schools and CRT, and you, you teach about all of it, the Holocaust and everything, so people aren't so dumb. Like when the lessons of the Holocaust, I love this quote here, when the lessons of the Holocaust are taught, social researchers often explain people's behaviors and choices using four categories, perpetrators, victims, bystanders and upstanders now upstanders is new because upstanders is a way to 
find a positive solution, you know, uh, which is what we're doing right now. What we're doing is being upstanders, as talking about something and creating like a conversation, you know, but you only get there by educating people. So you take this out of the schools, whether it be black, I mean, not just black history, but you have the whole, all of it. And people also just get defend, like, it's hard to hear when you, when, when it like, there's things that you felt or you've said, or you've done and, and like, take a look at it and change who you are or change your perspective. And people just get defensive and like, I'm not this, or I'm not that instead of just looking at it and trying to hear someone, you know, and like hear how it makes someone feel or whatever. Like it's hard to do that. It's hard to accept that you've been on the, it's hard to accept you might've been on the wrong side of history at some right. point. Like people would have done Jew jokes around me. And I've said, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. And I've had some people say, I'm sorry, I won't do that anymore. And then I've had some people be like, what's your problem? You know, get very defensive, you know? And I've done things like Marina, I've talked to you about this. Like I used to do a black character that at the time was okay. And like people would say to me, it's okay, it's funny, whatever. And I stopped doing it. You know, I stopped doing it years ago because now it doesn't feel comfortable for me anymore. I, I don't do it. You know, it was one of the first characters I ever did. And I would love doing her. I mean, she was like powerful. I felt very powerful doing her. And I would say things that I, as Jessica, would never normally say. Yeah. You know, she was like this strong, powerful, amazing character that I would do. But then I realized it it made people uncomfortable and it made me uncomfortable. And I stopped doing it. And I heard how it made people feel. And I stopped. Isn't that Lisa Lampanelli's whole story? She stopped. Oh, yeah. She actually stopped doing comedy for that reason. But her wow. whole entire act was but equal opportunity, but still very, yeah. But still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's an equal opportunity offender. I don't she was. I stopped <laughs> doing was. my Asian character, you know, as soon as this whole thing started with China and the the, the virus, I was like, I'm done. I'm not gonna do that character anymore. Yeah. Some people don't have that in them though. They're just not Yeah, but that yeah. I can't. Yeah. It is weird to have people like, I never forget, you know, I hear people say like, even Oriental, I have to admit, like, and I even heard that term, you know, like I was at the playground. My grandmother said that. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, all right, if you're talking about La Choy, some sauce, it better be some sauce or a rug. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> other than sauce or a rug, it's Asian. Like don't say Oriental, but it is weird when you hear these terms, you're like, whoa, like, you know. It, I, I'm going to be honest, coming from Chicago, there's such an ignorance in Chicago because it's not as diverse. I was saying Oriental up until someone corrected me. And I was like, you, you kind of go, who am I? Like, why, you know, but you, you know, it's very rare. The moment you realize you've been saying something that's offensive is so painful in your own body that you... But the difference between me and someone else is like, I just kind of like take a moment, take a deep breath, realize it and move on, figure it out, figure it out. But it is painful. That's why they get defensive. Well, a lot of times I, I said stuff on podcasts and like ranted and acted funny with other comics and like rolled with stuff. And, you know, and I I'm more much more aware of that now because 
you know, I'm more conscious, but you can only change who, I mean, about so many different subjects and so many different things, because I'm try. I try to be more, even about Jewish people and about my own people. I'm trying to be more sensitive about that stuff. It's hard as a comic for me. I'm not talking for every comic, but no, it's hard. For me, it's, it's, it's hard where to draw that line sometimes. I mean, just with everything. I think that's the thing that's missing with people is we, acknowledging to them we know that it's hard to accept that you've been saying the wrong thing or that you don't know you know people don't want to be condescended to or they don't want to feel like you know because that that moment is embarrassing for that person and that's why i always say sometimes moments when you're talking to someone that's ignorant is a really good moment to educate so you have to be you know i know i know black people are tired of educating i get it you know, and there's a point when I, I don't feel like educating that I'm not in the mood. So I choose my moments and I choose the people I want to do it with. But I think it's important to remember that there's so lack of education. There is that we, yeah, we, it's necessary with people you feel like you can do it with to and do until it. Until you know, you don't know. But once you know right. better, you're supposed to do better. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. Once you know. It's so funny. Like I was talking with my uncle and he was like, Holly, like a lot of these terms, like, what is heteronormativity? What What is that? Somebody said that to me and I was like, oh, bless you. So it's like, when you look at like the generation above us, like a lot of these things, like they heteronormative, like they're just like, I don't, don't understand. And I realized it's like, you just give the information and then they have it. You know what I mean? He was just like, what does this mean? I'm like, this is what it means. And he was like, gotcha. You know, instead of just being like, why do I have to? I know. You know I love the fact that he was just like, just please explain this to me. Yeah. Now, I know you have to leave soon. I have two articles. One, well, one I want to, well, I wanted to talk about the whale because I thought that was funny that the guy was eaten by a whale and then spit out. But what? That has nothing to do with anything that we're talking that about. That freaks me out, by the way. That freaks me out. What, that the guy was swallowed? Yes. I was like, the panic. You, he imagined, girl. Yeah, that's panic. The the whale did not like him. He did not taste right. Mm-mm. So, but but really, because it's Pride Month, President Joe Biden announced plans to name Pulse Nightclub a national memorial on the fifth anniversary of the shooting at the Orlando Gay Club, which killed forty nine people and wounded fifty three. It was the deadliest mass shooting by a single gunman in the United States history at the time, as well as the deadliest incident in the history of violence against LGBTQ people in the United States. And Biden has used the anniversary to advocate for stricter gun laws, in addition to acknowledging gun violence gun violence's disproportionate impact on the um, LGBT community, particularly transgender women of color. So, yeah. Worse. That's uh, that, that they're the worst. I, I, they get it. I mean, it's just horrible, just horrible. I'm glad that he's taking action. I mean, you know, he, hopefully he can get something done with these gun laws. I, I don't even know what to say about that anymore. It that, that entire um, situation really traumatized me. Um, I could, I can't even tell you what that did. That the visual I, I, of that entire experience and just going to those clubs for so many years uh, as a part of my coming out experience and the thought of just going to a club to go dancing and, and so many gay and straight people there, friends of, you know, I used to, all my friends used to go with me to those clubs and hang out and go dancing and just, uh, it's horrible, it's horrible. So, um, 
I'm glad he, he is doing that. And, um, I'm just, uh, you know what? I was doing a show at the, before I go, I'll tell you, I, I, this was the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me doing stand up happened to the comedy cellar the other night. I was doing jokes about my, um, my wife and my children on stage. And I was doing a joke about, um, my kids and I said, I have four daughters and you know, the religious right says that gay people want their kids to be gay, that we try to make them gay. And I said, that's totally true. That's the only reason why I decided to have kids was to create <laughs> big dykes. I said, that's, I want them to be like truck drivers, you know, not like my wife and I, like, I don't want them to wear makeup or heels or I want them to be like, you know, like, so we have been doing everything we can to make that happen. We've been taking them to softball games and, you know, I do this whole thing and I'm like, we name them all Hillary. And, um, and so this guy, what was in the front row, just going, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And he started crying Aww. and I, I, I stopped and I said, are you crying? And he said, yes. And he said, thank you so much. Thank you for doing this thank you for doing this for our community. And I said, Oh my God, thank you. And he said, you don't know how much this means to me. You're, you're what you're doing for, no one's ever done this for me, you know? Um, and I said, I said, you don't know how much this means to me. Like, cause it's not easy to talk about this on stage and like label myself and blah, blah, blah. But that's why I do it is for the community is for someone who's coming out or someone who has kids who's gay or any, or just to change some idiot's mind, some dumb, uneducated person. Um, and uh, I hugged him when I was on stage and I just said, thank you. I, and he was crying and I said, Aww. it just means so, it was just, it was so it, it was so amazing that connection with him. It's very meaningful. Everything to me. Um, it makes everything you're doing on stage so I much know. more, so much Doesn't more. It? Yeah. When someone says that to you, like even when you were talking about your breast cancer, probably all those connections you had, right? Yeah. You guys, like anything you've said where someone has said to you, thank you for making me laugh. I haven't laughed in months or I, you know, haven't been out. In in uh, since COVID, I haven't laughed. I mean, just oh, yeah, that's beautiful. It's amazing that that happened. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for being here on Friends Like Us. I'm doing like the 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 host voice. Do you, can you hear I know, it? You're like, thank you so much, <laughs> Jessica, for being on Friends Like Us. I want to thank. You. I don't want to keep you too long, but I want you. We do this as we go out. I would love for you to tell us where they our listeners can find you you can find me at jessicakerson.com for upcoming dates and jesse kerson on instagram and i'm on tiktok jessica kerson now with these silly videos with friends like us uh you can talk about what's real and make a difference in the world beautiful aaron jackson tell our listeners where they can find you and a friends like us Okay, um, you can find me as AaronJackson.net, um, which is where you said message me. Yeah, if you need me, not on Facebook Messenger. I'll never get it, anyone. Um, but yeah, I'm on AaronJackson.net. I'm at EJ the Comic on Instagram. And if you haven't watched it yet, please go over to Netflix and watch my my special, uh, my special at Tiffany Haddish presents. They ready episode two, season two. That's me, Aaron Jackson. You were amazing. Thank you. And um, let's see, with friends like us, you can be educated without feeling attacked. Yes. Right. I love it. Holly. 
Uh, Holly Harper. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Holly Harper Five, the number five. Holly H O L L I E. Uh, and just on Facebook, I'm the only Black Holly Harper. There's like 16 of us, and I'm the only Black one because that's what my parents were doing in the 70s. Um, but yeah, so with friends like us, you get the very best perspectives. Thank you. And Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Make sure to check us out also on Patreon. We don't have sponsors, so one way to support us is to donate tip, whatever you want to call it, but go to Patreon backslash friends like us and support us there. We have so much with the logo, the new logo. We got t-shirts, we got tank tops, we got hoodies. And ladies also, because you've been on the show, you know, those t-shirts you get for free. I know Aaron, you were joking last time, but I'll send you one. And with friends like us, you could talk about LGBTQ. You could talk about anti-Semitism. You could talk about black racism and you can Fix it with friends like us. Maybe some kind of fixing. I was going to say, can we fix it here on the podcast? Because that's amazing. (laughs) I wish we could. I got five more minutes to fix uh, LGBTQ, anti-Semitism, and racism. I know. (laughs) We're all wrapped up in a pretty bow, right? Check Check us out. out.